with Portal, like the whole idea is that we are similar to all of our other causes. We're reaching people that, yes, we want to engage people that are already in the movement and give them tools to, to support the movement and amplify advocacy efforts and, and all of that. But what we do really well is reach people that are outside the movement. And so if you think of how many people are hearing about psychedelics in the news, like maybe they've even tried psychedelics, but they don't know about the organizations that are in it. They don't know about the people and like really understand what's happening. This is meant to be for all those people and how to help bring them in. Like the, the core of the mission is to help destigmatize the responsible use of psychedelics. And so we just want to kind of shine a light on all these organizations in the space that are doing good work and let people learn what they're doing, give them the opportunity to donate, as well as just a lot of sort of psychedelics 101 type content. Welcome back to the Trip Report podcast, a production of Beckley Waves, a psychedelic venture studio. Today I'm speaking with Brandon DeRoche, founder of The Portal the Partnership of Responsible Trippers Advocating Legalization. Portal is a project from Propeller, a social media impact and advocacy organization Brandon started more than 15 years ago to drive awareness and action for social movements. I was intrigued when I first learned about Propeller and their methodology for advancing social causes. Propeller collaborates with big-name artists and musicians to leverage their platforms to raise awareness and inspire action. With Portal, Brandon and his team are taking this approach to advancing the psychedelic cause. I wanted to speak with Brandon because I love a good acronym, and Portal may be the best I've ever heard, but also because I wanted to learn more about how social movements form and grow. In this episode, we discuss Brandon's experience working with some of the biggest celebrities in the world, like Justin Bieber, Lizzo, and Brian Cranston, his experience working with the spiritual teacher Ram Das the cultural adoption and destigmatization of psychedelics through artists with massive audiences like Dua Lipa, Post Malone, and Zach Bryan, and leveraging these voices for psychedelic education, harm reduction, and best practices. And finally, the eventual political polarization of social movements, and much more. And now I bring in my conversation with Brandon DeRoche. What's top of mind for me lately within the psychedelic sphere, this is a, a core pillar of, in my estimation, is sort of what you might call the cultural narrative or the story that's being told or that's being adopted by people who are not working in the field on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And, and, and that's where I think you're uniquely positioned to help me understand how narratives form and propagate and stories kind of form and propagate based on your work through Propeller. So maybe we can start just like with a quick background about this work that you've been doing for the last few years about leveraging the audiences of bands or influential people to drive attention to, to different causes. So I'll, I'll let you take that however you'd like and, and jump into your story there. Yeah. Well, I've been doing this work since 2008, so really about 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And for me, it started before that because I played in a band and we used to travel the US and Europe. And even though we were not a big band, I still had, uh, you know, we would go around from these to these different cities in Europe, especially and feel like people wanted to meet us or like, you know, on a radio interview or what have you. And realize that even at a small level, you have 
influence and you have a platform and you can use that for something. And so that was kind of what started to become a big motivation of mine was to, to how you can, you know, use that platform for something, something positive or something you feel is positive. And I didn't think my band was going to make it. And so I quit the band and moved to Los Angeles. And my, my goal was then to work with artists that already had that platform. And I think Taking like my background as being an artist, a lot of sort of digital skills I, I acquired over the years and applying that to figuring out ways we can help these artists leverage their audiences to support the cause they care about. And so that's looked a lot different in terms of like the different companies I've been at. And I've worked for a band, I ran a band's foundation for a long time. And, and then in 2015 started Propeller and it was really based off of you know, the past seven years of doing that work and wanting to create a platform that didn't really exist, which was the idea was it's not just about raising money, but there's all these different ways that you can take action to support causes and then help artists plug their fans into that for different causes that they care about. And all of that is driven by incentives and really just trying to appeal to people's self-interest and kind of yeah. dangle a carrot, give them the opportunity to meet the artist or to yeah. earn a pair of concert tickets or whatever it might be. And by doing that through that process, hope that they can start taking these actions, watching videos, signing petitions, ultimately making donations, start to learn about these causes and why the artists might care about them and hopefully yeah. convert them into becoming supporters of those causes as well. And what are some of the causes or movements that you've helped artists gain traction or expand their awareness of? It's really been all over the place. I mean, we've had hundreds of different organizations we've supported over the years, but we have certain categories that we're kind of focused on year round. And those are things like mental health, climate and sustainability are really all things environment, LGBTQ rights, racial justice, reproductive rights. Those are some of the main sort of buckets. We're, with Propeller, we're much more focused on advocacy work and more issues than just traditional philanthropy or, or charity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you had mentioned something in your, in the way you described it as sort of, you want to appeal to people's self-interest and you use the term incentives. And I'm curious, like, can you say a little bit more about that when, when trying to sort of galvanize either attention, awareness, or action for something that may not necessarily be at the facade or sort of ostensibly relevant? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so many distractions and so many people and companies and everything else that are causes even that are vying for people's attention. And, you know, especially through social media and how mm -hmm. do you break through the noise? And so our approach has always been around, like, let's offer these people something that's going to, you know, bring them closer to these artists that they care about or different celebrities or whatever, whoever the partner might be. And so oftentimes that might mean, you know, winning a trip to go to a music festival and meeting your favorite artist or, yeah. um, you know, we've done literally thousands of experiences that often involve a trip and meeting an artist or getting to go to a show or a festival yeah. or having some sort of VIP experience. And that's just like what grabs their attention, gets them to click. We're targeting, you know, yeah. the specific fans of those, those artists that, you know, the experiences with, yeah. And it works well. That's sort of our conversion tools. And then they come to the site, they can see that they can take an action yeah. and enter to win. And then the idea from there is that the more they're doing, the more they're earning points and they can use those points to either get more entries and increase their chances of winning that big experience, or they can save them and, and, and rack them up and redeem them for 
things like concert tickets or merchandise oh, or gift cards, or they can even donate them, you know, to plant trees and to feed people and all, all kinds of different philanthropic. So you use the term experience, right? And I know what we'll get to in, in a few minutes here with the portal, there are a few experiences that, that are sort of associated with that, but can you flesh that out a little bit more? So like, are these opportunities to meet famous artists or spend some time with them or what does that look like? Yeah, I think a word I like to use is imaginative. Like what are these these experiences that kind of take people out of their normal day-to-day lives and like, you know, have something that feels like a dream come true, right. like a once in a lifetime kind of thing that they could win. And And so, I mean, we've done so many of these things over the years, but everything from you know, winning a trip to Paris to meet Justin Bieber to being <laughs> Lizzo's big girl for the day in San Francisco to going yeah. to the Super Bowl with Brian Cranston is something we did earlier this year. Oh, wow. And, you know, we have one right now, which is to go to Day Zero Festival in Tulum, which is Damien Lazarus Festival. And it's just, I've been to it and it's this amazing festival. It goes, you know, basically from, from sunset to sunrise and yeah. beyond in the middle of the jungle in Tulum. And, you know, just these types of things that like, I don't know, hopefully inspire people, get them to to really want to win it, obviously, and get yeah. them to motivate it to take a lot of action. And then again, through that process, hoping that they just like start to do it for the right reasons and yeah. might really open up their eyes. Because how else to get people to go and go to, you know, go to a nonprofit website? I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't go to any website. Yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah. like it. So how are you going to go and like, what's going to motivate you to go really learn about an organization beyond yeah. just like their brand name? You know, you might have heard of Greenpeace or something, but like, do you really know about the work that Greenpeace is doing? Right. And this is a way for people to take that first step. And, you know, it's something that we've said over the years, it's sort of a gateway to activism. And that's what we're hoping to have be the result for people is that that was the first thing maybe for a lot of these people they've ever done to support a cause. And from mm-hmm. there, they then have their eyes open. They, they get on the list of an organization and they they continue to stay engaged with them as, as supporters over time. So... Again, going back to this sort of like initial interest or core interest that I have is like a, around the nature of narratives and the growth of of movements, you might say. Like I remember being, without stating how old I am, I remember being like in grade school or probably even younger than that. But the concept of the environmental movement was like, I, re- I remember learning about it then and and it was like only kind of in a very, I felt like it was like the the seed of like what turned out to be a larger ongoing, ever developing, growing kind of movement or field that, that makes sense. And so have you studied the proliferation or the advancement of movements in this way? Is Are there are there things to understand or, or benchmarks that are universal amongst uh, efforts such as, you know, environmental movement or racial justice or drug policy reform for that matter like how do these things grow and and develop and then mature i guess is my question i can tell you from our experiences and what we've seen work i we have not you know we are currently working with the university that's like around behavioral sciences and mm-hmm. and really starting to see like extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation mm-hmm. for our users and like where it is truly just altruism versus like they're really just trying to win something and like yeah. where's maybe the middle ground on some of these things yeah. and what truly motivates people to to want to act. But besides that, it's like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but it's not necessarily, I didn't go to college. There wasn't yeah. any like degree in this, but what I've seen is that there's organizations that we've worked with, you know, for four or five years and in, in some instances, and and we have a very close relationship with, 
and they might be a big organization, but they're not a household name or they're, they're yeah. like more of a legacy kind of organization. So young people don't know them. And so how do they modernize and um, connect to the younger generation for, mm-hmm. for a lot of these organizations, they really struggle to, to like with their messaging and something that's going to resonate with, you know, an, someone in the 18 to 25 year old range, even though they care about that issue, like they yeah. want to support climate change or LGBTQ rights, but they're not, you know, they don't know this organization exists, even though they might be one of the big players. Yeah. And so what we do is help them align with culture and, you know, through music and these influencers that we partner with. And when we keep that organization in front of our user base and, and these audiences over time, especially as it's, they're aligned with this festival and that festival and this tour and whatever mm-hmm. else, as that continues and it's like, you know, you get into year two, three, four, our users and, and beyond start to see, they start to like know that organization's name we start to see conversions around donations increasing and like people being willing to take action because they've heard of them and so i think that that's kind of the first step like what we do very well is create top of the funnel awareness for these issues and for these organizations and a lot of times people are just going in and saying donate 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 yeah. but like there's no why behind it they don't really know what the this organization's doing and they're still just asking people to give and i think that the first step is often missed yeah. or just like understanding who they are, why they exist. And, and I think if you can establish that kind of relationship with people, you're going to have a much longer term supporter versus someone that just donates as a one-off, maybe yeah. donates as a one-off. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the depth of my knowledge around yeah. some of those things and, <laughs> and, and yeah. And what we've seen work over the years. So, I mean, the way that we got connected was through a, an initiative that you're you're working on called the portal and it's psychedelic focused and tell us a little bit about that origin story core insight or the initial spark of of this project and and who you're working with on that yeah i mean the origin story for me goes back just quickly like to high school yeah. <laughs> and getting into psychedelics you know and and um i did my high school junior year term paper on the electric kool-aid acid test and like you know that was got really into into all that and then my band days all of that as well and i discovered ramdas you know mm-hmm. early 2000s and that kind of sent me down this path where like i didn't touch psychedelics hardly ever for a long period of time as i got into my like you know mid 20s or something yeah but they they certainly had a major impact on my life and like where the path i've taken with my career and we had done a lot of projects with ramdas and his foundation with Alan Watts and and one of the people we did those projects with was my friend Justin Beretta and Justin had put together basically a meditation track that started with with Ramdas um it was a Ramdas meditation mm-hmm. and he created this really beautiful soundscape that kind of like lifts up the meditation and and we you know pressed vinyl for that and then we gave away a trip to go meet Ramdas at his retreat on Maui and as part of that, you could discover this meditation, you could donate to get one of the vinyl, or you could just download it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the whole idea was to help the teachings of Ramdas reach a new generation of seekers and, you know, connect with Justin's fans and the propeller audience and yeah. raise a lot of money through it. And we did something then similar to that with Justin and Alan Watts meditation oh, and through his foundation. Yeah. And and Justin was a you know has been a big psychedelic advocate for a long time, and we've been doing all these projects together. I just never thought of psychedelics as a cause. Yeah, it wasn't something where I thought of it in the context of propeller. How long ago was this? 
Well, those projects that I think they went back to maybe 2018. And I think I first started working with Ram Dass's foundation, maybe in like 2013 as predates propeller. Oh, wow. But, but with Justin specifically, I think that that project was 2018 and, and then Alan was probably in 2019 or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think one day just kind of dawned on me, like, uh, you know, Justin would post like news around decriminalization or things that were happening in different States a lot. And like his Instagram stories and stuff. And yeah. I just, like well why are we not doing this for psychedelics Mm. so we're both passionate about and so we both kind of just started you know putting our heads together and and try to come up with a name yeah and what what the mission is for it and just really saw sort of a hole in in the psychedelic movement that was sort of that cultural arm that you know knowing how to work with artists and influencers in, in, yeah. in a way that makes it easy for them to support causes they care about yep. and having all this history and experience and, and network through propeller, like how can we apply that to the, the psychedelic space? And so that was sort of the initial concept of portal. Justin was really instrumental in connecting with a lot of the initial partners. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's partners like double blind magazine and, yep. you know, organizations like heroic hearts and fireside project and chakruna and these other organizations that we want to support through this and we got it up on its feet and just made it part of propeller and it was just sort of something that's been sort of taking opportunities as they come for for aligned partners and now we're at a place where we just made it its own actual like spin out like its own subsidiary of yeah propeller so that we can focus it on as an actual company and take it to another scale nice and what have some of the projects or experiences or causes that you, you mentioned Rob Dawson and, and Alan Watts, but I think you've also had a few other more that are the outgrowth of, of Portal specifically in the last year or so. Yeah, with Portal specifically, I think the first thing we did was around lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. We gave away just a trip to that. And basically with, with Portal, like the whole idea is that we are similar to all of our other causes. We're reaching people that yes, we want to engage people that are already in the movement and give them tools to, to support the movement and amplify advocacy efforts and, yeah. and all of that. But what we do really well is reach people that are outside the movement. And so if you think of how many people are hearing about psychedelics in the news, like maybe they've even yeah. tried psychedelics, but they don't yeah. know about the organizations that are in it. They don't yeah. know the people and like yeah. really understand what's happening. This is meant to be for all those people and how to help bring them in. Like the, the core of the mission is to help destigmatize the responsible use of psychedelics. Yeah. And yeah. so we just want to kind of shine a light on all these organizations in the space that are doing good work and yeah. let people learn what they're doing, give them the opportunity to donate, <laughs> as well as just a lot of sort of psychedelics 101 type content. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a lot of that is through double blind, but other partners yeah. as well, you know how to trip sit, taking, taking these courses, if you want to, you know, how long does shrooms take a lot of the, the basic stuff. And then as they get more in, in the know, we have a whole sort of membership that we're going to be rolling out that gives people the opportunity. Really the whole idea is to bring together a community and build up this new community of, of enthusiasts and advocates that can help mm-hmm. be the, the champions to take the psychedelic movement to the next place. I'm realizing as you're as you're describing the core sort of audience, if you will, the trip report is kind of like the inverse of that audience. It's you know the the readers and the listeners are those of us who are like in the weeds and we're sort of following the policy measures down to like 
the week to week developments or the drug development projects, the week to week developments. And what's coming to mind for me is like, well, there's a few things, but I think like in terms of the quote unquote cultural onboarding, you might say, like Michael Pollan's book kind of felt like, you know, a watershed moment from, you know, if, if we think about going back to the late nineties where MDMA had been sort of criminalized in the, in the, in the mid eighties. And then the scientific kind of scene or, or inquiry had started in the early two thousands, late nineties, but there's always been this sort of hate to use the word underground, but like changing one's consciousness or subjective experience or state is like, in my mind, like part and parcel with what it means to be human, right? Like there is like, always been a culture that has embraced psychedelics in various forms, whether it's the rave scene or, or sort of spiritual circles or, or, or just, you know, as you mentioned, like high schoolers and college kids, like excited about just curious, right? Anyway, getting into rambling territory here, but like, if you were to sort of think about, like I mentioned Michael Pollan's book and and some of the science, you know, there's been like the scientific edge that has been, you know, being pushed for the last, let's say, 15, 20 years. What are some of the other cultural levers, I think, maybe is the, is the term like, you know, in the circles that I run, people like Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss are sort of like fit that mold. Michael Pollan, obviously. But if it feels like you're more in the arts, in the cultural space. Where is this sort of message emanating from most loudly or sort of authentically? Well, I think it's in a number of places. I mean, I think, you know, Michael Pollan and everything with, with How to Change Your Mind and then yeah. Netflix series and all that, I know was a big one for a lot of people and a much different audience than, you know, when you think of music or something, you're thinking of the rave scene or rave yeah. culture, jam world, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's so not that audience necessarily. And yeah. I think for me, like, you know, groups like Heroic Hearts and, and what's happening with, with veterans, I think, is a, a yeah. major catalyst for the psychedelic movement. People are groups like Moms on Mushrooms. Like, again, yeah. it's just something that is not the norm. And it's in terms of destigmatizing it, it's, it's like hearing from a mom or a veteran or something to me it has so much power versus it being like someone that would be considered more of a, a, a usual suspect. Yeah. But I mean... I'm also like, obviously for the nature of what we do, I'm really excited about the the big mainstream artists that are starting to talk about it. So I think that was like, you know, a couple of years ago, like Casey Musgraves and had a massive album and, and a big part of that story was how psychedelics and psychedelic therapy got her through her divorce and was, a you know, inspiration for a lot of the songs. Yeah. And Harry Styles talking about it. I mean, it's now it's like, Zach Bryan's not talking about it too much, but he was on Joe Rogan talking about how he loves mushrooms and how impactful mm-hmm. it's been. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest artists out there right now. Dua Lipa, as mm-hmm. I think you probably know, and, yeah. and having her have Amanda from Beckley on the yeah. podcast and having her new album be produced by Kevin Parker from Tame Impala and have a whole psychedelic theme. That kind of stuff is going to reach all yeah. different audiences that are not currently engaged with the psychedelic movement. And I think it's important that they are bringing people in, in a way that's not reckless. And it is coming from this place of mental health and healing. And I think that that's what most of these artists and influencers are taking that angle. And Mm -hmm. I hope it at least piques the curiosity of their fans. And so 
that's what we want to capture. And then so versus just talking about impress, they can actually point people to something and give them the opportunity to go deeper, like their fans to go deeper. And so we want to work with all these types of artists that are having these impactful experiences, or maybe they've been like in the psychedelic closet for a long time, but now because Dua Lipa or Post Malone or whoever it is is talking openly about it, they feel like it's okay that they can do the same. And I think we're going to see a lot more artists like willing to come out and speak intelligently about it, you know, and, yeah. and really share their experiences and how it's impacted them. So I think music and all forms of culture and entertainment will be a big force as well yeah. as those other sort of groups like Moms on Mushrooms and yeah. veterans and things that are just coming from the places you wouldn't expect as much. Did you have any involvement, like did you do or pay close attention or, or or work for that matter with any cannabis legalization or sort of in that front? Like, do you have any experience with with that movement? Like, you know, 15, 20 years ahead, you might say, of, of the psychedelic space or? Not really. I mean, yeah. other than, you know, being <laughs> not really. I mean, we, we work currently with groups like Last Prisoner Project, but that wasn't a cause that we were we were actively pushing in the past that was, yeah. you know, directly yeah. involved in. Yeah, I mean, I asked just because I, I, I didn't really pay much attention to it until I started writing the trip report about four or five years ago. And it struck me kind of early on that they're very different beasts, you might say. Like the like the a lot of people view the psychedelic sort of movement, quote unquote, as you know, cannabis 2.0. And, and it, it strikes me as, yes, you can make that case because of naturally occurring products from plants or what have you, and their illegal status. But from a scientific perspective, from a therapeutic perspective, they just strike me as so radically different. And maybe that's kind of the narcissism of, of small differences, but I actually think that that's you know, very different and, and, and we'll probably see it unfurl or sort of expand in a radically different way than, than cannabis. Yeah, I think that they're, I think that they're different. I'm sure there's, you know, there's plenty of parallels where they are similar, but, yeah. you know, smoking cannabis or in whatever, eating cannabis yeah. whatever, um, is a very different thing than yeah. taking psychedelics. And I think that there was this gold rush to get into cannabis years back, but a lot of people that didn't have a relationship with, yeah. you know, with cannabis at all. Right. They just wanted, very motivated by the opportunity that they could gain financially from it, obviously. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of those people then got immersed in it and they had to, you know, they had to kind of like, they had to smoke weed or whatever it was in it just to show that it felt more genuine to other yeah. people that were had been in it. And they could kind of fake it in a sense because yeah. it was, even if that was hard for them, it was a little bit different. And I think, right. you know, I don't know how a lot of like the CEOs and stuff are in, in the psychedelic space, but I think there was starting to be this sort of gold rush mentality around psychedelics. And I think a lot of companies and funds and stuff have like already come and gone. And, you know, just coming from Wonderland, like there's a lot less money in it in psychedelics right now. And I think that that's all going to come back. Like, I think there's gonna be plenty of money in psychedelics. I see it as a high growth segment within the broader wellness industry which is obviously massive and i think the more this space moves forward that's going to continue to grow and so i think there'll be plenty of money but in the short term i think it's weeded out a lot of people that maybe not everybody had bad intentions like didn't make it of course but i think a lot of people that maybe were just seeing it as this other sort of gold rush opportunity it's not right now right and so hopefully there's a lot of authenticity and i think that it is something too where like if you have 
similar to what I was saying around like smoking cannabis versus like taking psychedelics. I think you're going to have an impactful experience and it's kind of hard to like look away from you yeah. know, in the future Yeah, have that, have a direct impact on your life if you are one of those people. So uh, along those lines, like one of the things that I see as being like a central dynamic or a really important feature of this, again, quote unquote movement or renaissance is we're talking about a class of substances that are illegal for all intents and purposes, unless you go to Jamaica or somewhere in Central South America, Oregon, Colorado, all of those withstanding. But like by and large, there's still Schedule One substances that have restrictions on their production, consumption, exchange. And Despite that, the I would argue the cultural sort of adoption driven by promising and really exciting scientific findings driven by, again, people like Michael Pollan and Dua Lipa. And there's a, a, a survey study that's done every year about you know drug use among adults and psychedelic use among middle-aged people are, is skyrocketing, right? I think it's actually like exponential growth. I could be wrong about that, but like so to my mind, there's this dynamic of the the means by which people are embracing or learning about this movement, namely the science and the companies that are forming, but they're not able to meet the demand that they're creating, basically, right? And it sounds like what you're doing, and 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 basically what I mean is like not necessarily providing the substances themselves, like anybody, frankly, can get their hands on some mushrooms if if they want to, I would argue. But the education, the support, the best practices, the know-how, like all of that feels very important in a way that it wasn't for cannabis, one. And two, there's already like a historical context of backlash against, you know, overzealous cultural movements or what have you. And and the thing that's top of mind for me lately is the the incident of an off-duty pilot who had a bad experience and sounds like he experienced some derealization, depersonalization symptoms. That to me feels like we talked about kind of money fleeing the space, but there is this kind of central need in my opinion of education and support and resources around how to use these things, how to set yourself up for success, how to mitigate risk, what to do if shit hits the fan, you know, during or after like, and, and, and there's no, like, I, I would argue like there's no, there's no unicorns to be found in that product or service, right? There's no 10 X returns. These are not pharmaceutical drugs. I'll get off my soapbox here in a second, but it seems like what you're doing with the portal and sort of the partnerships is in that aim of trying to facilitate some of the best practices, know-how, et cetera, and, and percolating them out into the culture as the culture is adopting these kind of the interest and the psychedelic curious and the, I'll stop talking now and allow you to you know take that as you will. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that is what we're trying to do. And I think that even if that is just the introduction and through us, they discover double blind and there's, yeah. you know, infinite amount of content or whoever, you know, third wave or just someone that's producing a lot of this educational content. It's currently we're not producing our own content. We're really just shining the light on existing stuff and organizations that have been doing the work and, mm -hmm. and are very close to it. But I mean, I, I, yes, I mean, I think that 
it's it's serious you know as far as what what the compounds are able to to do and um there's huge benefits from it but there's also there is harm that can be done and so all that's really important to make people aware of how they can you know do this in a safe way where we try and get everyone we can to download you know fireside projects app and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they have that at least have that support and know about it that if they are having a bad experience or just want someone to talk to like they can they can leverage what fireside is doing but you know i think I don't really know what's going on in places like Colorado as far as the education. And it's something like we have a program with Red Rocks Amphitheater and mm-hmm. we're at every show and we really want to to leverage the platform that we have and the audience we have in Colorado to, you know, even if, again, it's not telling people they need to go take psilocybin or whatever it is, but just to understand yeah. it, understand what's happening. You live in a place where this is now legal and, you know, how do we provide the right tools? How do we even if that's for the sake of someone else having a bad trip, you can at least recognize what yeah. might be happening and, and lend support and know how to handle a situation like that. Yeah. Even on the most basic level versus seeing it as crime and, or, you know, whatever might be, yeah. be happening with people. So to me, there's like a sort of a public service that needs yeah. to happen. I think that we totally. hope to be a small part of, of helping drive that awareness and education for this overall. So you can have less of those incidents like the pilot you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, at the same time, like those things are going to happen. Like, I, yeah. hopefully not, like you know, downing planes. But this is a, it's a, it's a radical, you know, radical thing. And and I think that there's no way it's going to be unscathed. And I yeah, think it's just totally. mitigating those risks and trying to minimize, you know, the amount of them that happen. But it's things are going to happen. And it's going to be bumpy along the way. A lot of causes, you might say, either by definition or just because of the world that we live in, become politicized, right? Like they become sort of like the means of polarizing kind of different groups, depending on how they politically affiliate, you might say. And and so the thing that I, 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 I am curious about is like, do you have any insight on that dynamic within some of the causes or things that you've worked on in your career? Like, is there anything that is interesting or worth exploring in that domain? Because, you know, what's interesting about psychedelics is there's this, maybe it's not obvious and maybe I'm too close to it, but there seems to be a bipartisan coalition that has the potential to grow, right? And, And that's, as you mentioned, kind of centered around the advocacy that veterans and the veteran community, I think, is mostly sort of... So I guess I'm I'm curious, like, is that something that you think about as you imagine the future of, of this field and like, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we've seen it with every other movement become, you know, becomes politicized it seems. Yeah. And I remember like years back, I mean, probably over 10 years ago doing stuff around the environment. And I didn't think for a second that the, envi- like my own, just, just being naive, like didn't think for a second that yeah. supporting the environmental cause was going to be something that became politicized and, yeah. and how much, you know, posting on it like a ban on their Facebook or something at the time and like saying right, something about right. the environment and then seeing the comments and how some of those comments were like so negative around yeah. it all. And we've seen it, you know, with pretty much every other issue yeah. today. Now it's actually interesting with the environment. I think that's one of the, the least polarizing issues. Um, even though it still is, it just yeah. seems like it's like when we work with artists that don't want to do something that feels overly polarized, then yeah. they tend to lean more towards like climate or sustainability or something right, like right, that. Right. Um, 
um, before some of our other issues we're supporting. But to your point, I think that with psychedelics and it being politicized, I do think that the that's again where the veterans, as you mentioned, are playing a big role because yeah. you know that's you know are seen as a, a cause by the right. And then psychedelics overall, I think, are pretty progressive and seems like yeah. something would be supported by the left. I will not be surprised when this becomes politicized yeah. and gets to be something that, yeah, is unfortunately polarized. But I, for now, it's really exciting that it's not. And I hope it can stay on that path because this is really about helping people. And yeah. I think that both sides can recognize that we have this mental health crisis, if you will, yeah. or just so many people that are have mental health challenges that this is being taken more seriously now mm -hmm. as something that can actually help that maybe help it a lot faster than, than yeah. therapy or in combination with it. Yeah. That, that I don't, again, I mean, it, I think people are so safe to say in the psychedelic space, like it's not a silver bullet and yeah. it's not, but at the same time, like what is going to accelerate yeah. faster, you know, or ha have someone have a perspective shift that's sort of manufactured like that, the way psychedelics can, yeah. You know, I think that things like meditation and all these other things are very important and yeah. piece of the puzzle, but it takes a lot of practice and a lot of yeah. years really where psychedelics can be something that one one session might really just help you see things from a different angle and pull you out of whatever yeah. mental health challenges you're having. So through that, I hope it this stays somewhat neutral in terms of mm -hmm. left versus right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In, in, in starting to try to wrap up this this conversation, I'm curious, what is the process of working with a big name kind of celebrity? Like, what is, what is that? What is that like? Like, what does it just entail? Like, <laughs> you, you mentioned sort of like choose, you know, artists either like wanting to affiliate or support, but like maybe they have some apprehension. Like, what what's just your, I'm, I'm curious, like, what's your, what's your day to day, week to week? Like, what's your life look like? Well, you know, I, I mentioned in the beginning of this, I've been doing this for 15 years and I wish I could tell you I had it all figured out, but there's, there's no tried and true formula to it. It's, it really happens in so many different ways. The best campaigns that we do are the ones that are, are really authentically driven by the talent. So when it's their idea and they really want to do this, we get night and day better results than if it's something we pitch them on and yeah. like hope that they're going to really embrace it yeah. or like even if they post about it on social media or something but they're not like really making it personal fans can see through that it's just like this subtle difference in how something comes across and what really resonates and and we we talk about this a lot like some artists that are major pop stars don't drive the same amount of impact as some of these artists that you might not have ever heard of but you know versus having tens of millions of followers on on instagram or tiktok yeah. they might have a couple hundred thousand but they can make as big as big or bigger of an impact just because of the relationship that they have with their fans and mm. having it be very real mm. and so we love it when we get to work with artists that truly care about these causes and they're not yeah. doing it just for you know whatever to look good or for whatever other value they're getting out of our campaigns but Again, that really varies. And, you know, there's times where we're just working with the team. The artist is kind of removed from it, but we get to use their platform that still has a lot of value. We're still grateful for it. And then there's times where the artist is like coming up with the prizes and creating their own content without us providing them with scripts and things. And like they're really just into it. Yeah. And um, and that's what we really want to see more of and hope that ours are really back. And I'm really excited about that in psychedelics because this is like a spiritual experience for people and it's it has this profound impact on them that 
touch them personally in ways that other causes like I'm not saying that other causes can't have that, but it just yeah. it feels like a different relationship. And yeah. so I think a lot of artists also same way. I didn't see this as a cause. I don't yeah. think a lot of artists see psychedelics as a cause. And so to have it be presented as something that they yeah. can support, I think we're going to get some really authentic personal stories and, awesome. and you know, promotion of these. Yeah. Are there any that you can tell us about that are in the works or that have happened in the past or that are forthcoming? Well, with psychedelics specifically or just in general? With psychedelics specifically, yeah. We have a lot coming up. There's nothing today that I can really talk about as far as specifically like any names or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, the one we just launched yesterday was with Day Zero Festival, which I mentioned already. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more coming down in 2024. And so I think you're going to be seeing a lot of this and some, you know, some really big names, some more yeah. like ones you you would expect as well as far as um, names that are maybe not massive pop stars, but are yeah. been in the psychedelic space for a while. And, and yeah, we hope to get oh, a pretty wide breadth of artists and talent that will be a part of portal and support these organizations. Sweet. Well, we, you have the propeller brand and website is does portal have it now its own sort of portal <laughs> for lack of a better well, portal. It, it, so Portal exists within Propeller currently. Got it. And Propeller is really the how. And yeah. so, you know, you can go to youaretheportal.com, but that takes you to the Portal page on Propeller and and start diving in that way. In the future, there will be a more, if its own homepage and all of that as well. But right now it's all living on Propeller and a good way to experience what we're doing. I, I appreciate your time and your insight here in this. I, I have a feeling that, this may be one of these conversations that we return to periodically as just the the scope and the scale of the psychedelic renaissance continues to grow because it strikes me as you're on like the leading edge of working with talent and stars and celebrities and musicians and artists who are going to have an increasingly larger leverage in in the space as they take up psychedelics as a cause to promote so I hope you'll join us again. I'd be honored. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's early days and I think yeah. we're going to see this move very quickly as far as the yeah. adoption from, from more, more people. So yeah, I expect a lot to, to happen, especially over the next year. Yeah. I would love to kind of use you as a, a barometer or sort of a, the, the litmus test for the cultural adoption kind of writ large. So we should, Happy we should do this again soon. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I guess one last thing is you mentioned Chakruna and Double Blind and, and Heroic Hearts, but if there are organizations that want to work with you, can they reach out? And, and is, is that some, I imagine you're, you're looking for partnerships and collaborations from the other end of, of, of the spectrum as well. Is that? Yeah, we're right? open to nonprofits. We're open yeah. to people just as individuals that want to use their platform and, and are, you know, match the spirit of what we're doing as yeah. far as education and awareness for the movement. And, and even businesses, like if there are businesses, like we don't draw a line of that, you know, only nonprofits are doing good mm-hmm. work. If there's something that is a podcast like this, you know, I think that there's opportunities to incorporate all of that into it. And I think the best way just to reach out to, our hello at propeller.la is our, our, our inbox and cool. that'll get directed to the right people. Great. Well, Brandon, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the trip report podcast. Yeah. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Thanks for listening to The Trip Report. We hope you enjoyed it. You can sign up to receive our free newsletter and get the podcast sent directly to your inbox by going to thetripreport.com. This podcast is a production from Beckley Waves, a psychedelic venture studio. If you're interested in learning more about building companies in the psychedelic space, head over to beckleywaves.com to get in touch. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. I'm Zach Hegney. The Trip Report is produced by Cooler Production Company with coordination from Caitlin Jabari. See you next time.